I'm Baratunde Thurston, and this is Spit, an iHeartRadio podcast with 23andMe. This is the podcast that explores how DNA is changing our lives and the world around us. Today, we're exploring what does it mean to be family. Family is family. You can make family. Family is love. That's yeah. the bond we have. And blood is a whole other story. I am joined by multiple Grammy Award-winning rock star and activist Melissa Etheridge. Melissa is in between two types of DNA-related stories. Looking backwards, she uncovered amazing and alarming facts about her ancestors. Looking forward, Melissa is the mother of four children conceived by two different sperm donors, neither of whom is named Brad Pitt, by the way, but we'll get back to that. Also, we have documentary filmmaker Sarah Lamb. Now, at age 29, Sarah discovered that she was conceived by a sperm donor, and in her film, Thank You for Coming, she goes looking for him. Her genealogical detective journey takes her from Hawaii to North Carolina, chasing non-existent medical records and forging a bond with a possible sister. So, Melissa, welcome. And Sarah, welcome. Hi. Thank you so much. Hi. It is really great to have you both in the studio. And I was saying to Sarah earlier, I will say it for our listeners, we, Sarah, are in a recording session with Melissa Evans. It's incredible. Just give me power. A right dream come true. This yeah. is the best looking ones I've had so in a long time. Nice. So great, both of you. You're just beautiful. Woo! Sexy compliments <laughs> right, from Melissa Evans. We're going to end up with a song. We're going to end up with a song. So um, I have to get this out of the way, Sarah. Can I just say to both of you, thank you for coming. Mm-hmm. And I know, That's Melissa, cool. that you write uh, amazing lyrics, but I have to hand it to you on a sperm donor movie, Sarah. To call it thank you for coming That's, is incredible. Oh, thank you very <laughs> much. Well played. Thank well played. You. So, Melissa and Sarah, we're going to talk a bit about biological family. Melissa, you thought your ancestors were. Just average poor white folks. Yeah, that's exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, migrant farmer poor. I mean, they were yeah. they were very, very poor. But you also have in this story, through your genealogical detective saga, business success, a love affair, slavery, right? There are I all know. these elements that were not shared with you that no. were, so you were filling in a blank you didn't know existed. And yeah. so you kind of overwrote that story. Can you share a bit about how you were able to integrate this new story of your family history into the story of yourself? I think the the greatest thing that it did for me was to really loosen up that solid, oh, this is who I am and this is where I come from, that we are raised with. And and then you start to realize, oh, well, that's just a story that two people told me, you know, Mm -hmm. that that, that really, that that wasn't uh, brought down from the ages. I mean, I, I believe there are some families that are raised with such history that you're not surprised when you... Like the royal family. Yeah. You know, Very you, well documented. You got, yeah, they, they've got that down. <laughs> but, you know, the, those that were just trying to stay alive, yeah. you know, they're... they're and, and then you, you, you could see that there were marriages that weren't, uh, you know, the, the family didn't agree with, so you could see people didn't talk about it. I didn't know my, my family came from Catholic... Lim- I mean, that, that blew my mind because, yeah. you know, I just... Again, just, you know, white Protestant sort of what was what I was surrounded with, you know, so for a couple of generations. But, boy, once you get back there, you start to realize. And I think it didn't mean that anything was any different about okay. my childhood. It just meant that, oh, the stories that we tell are are limiting us and that, my goodness, your story could be anything. So why limit yourself by a story? Why not create the story you want to create right now? And, and on the subject of creating a new story, I'm going to stick with you because you have these children. Yeah. And you have created them, you know, in a yes. very technical sense. Yes. But you exercised even more choice uh, in, in, in some ways. 
than what the average parent uh, is able to do. Yes. Uh, so, so you have two sets of children yes. from two different sperm donors. Yes. And from what I heard on the Internet. <laughs> <laughs> Which always is so true. Always is so true. Yes. So I'm bringing it to the studio <laughs> to, so you can lay it out for, right. for me and the people. I heard you had a chance to have Brad Pitt, <laughs> which, which seems to be, be the, this the thing has followed me for the for my whole <laughs> because when my you Google life, it, that's the, the very Google. first thing that I comes cannot up. believe. So we're gonna that. update Google right now. You, oh you tell us what the story is. Okay. Once, and, yeah. <laughs> once, I think at first I joked about it. Someone because he's he was been a, he was a friend of mine before he made Thumb and Louise. He was wow, just this yeah. this guy that hung out with a lot of us young Hollywood folks in the you know late 80s yeah. and we were all trying to make it and he was from the midwest and we got along real well and he liked my first album and it was fine and he, i think i i once his star went boom people were like well who's brad pitt to you i said well, i don't know the father of my children i thought that was funny <laughs> you know that's a funny little laugh and i think at one point we both worked out at the same gym and and i said do you think nah i don't think so i think that'd be weird because he wanted children so bad yeah he really did that I, I was looking for someone who would say, okay, here's here's the missing piece that you need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my first baby mama, my first, my first <laughs> yes. wife. First what? mention of baby mama in spit. <laughs> Call it. Mark it up. <laughs> Historic. Anyway, she was adopted. Okay. So she really wanted her children to know who their father was, mm. who everybody was, and that, that was important to her. So we needed to to have a donor that, that would at least say, yeah, that was me, but didn't really want to, because I didn't want anyone else to raise them. It right. wasn't that there, I wanted another parent. So when uh, David and Jan Crosby, when they uh, they were in my life, we, we, we were in uh, Hawaii uh, visiting them, and they had just had their baby. Okay. And we were we were knew that we were looking for this, and, and Jan said, well, what about David? And, I, and we kind of talked about it. We were, That's perfect. He has so many children that he doesn't, that he didn't know he until they even were know that you had an extra one. <laughs> but but it makes my my two oldest children it makes their lives there. When people say, "Oh, tell me about your family," they're like, "Oh, really? You you want to know this?" Because it's a long story. But yeah. they do know. They do know who their father is. And and then the other two with the second baby mama, that they um, she we didn't want an, another sort of uh, parental like participant. It, it wasn't. And it's funny because you know they're eleven year old twins. And they don't think about dad at all. It, mm. it is not. They are so clear that oh yeah, I was a donor, and he was you know Swedish, blonde hair, blue eyed. They they just know that. Yeah. And it's fine. They're not looking for that. They've got so many parents. They've got two sets of parents, right. and they, you know, and they're they're full with that. So it's it's. I mean, that might change later, but not now. Sarah, hearing that, does it make you think about how the introduction of that information about your biological father being a donor? If that had been brought to you sooner, like say when you were eleven or six, like how do or you from think, birth. or from yeah, birth, I mean, right? From birth. If how you're, you if you you're raised with that? that, then you're yeah. like, okay, I get it. There's there's an ingredient, there's yeah. a physical ingredient that needs to be there to create a a life, and and then there's the man who raised you. Then there's the person who raises you. And I think if you're raised with that, it's not an issue. But man, to pull that on you. You know, and and not to know, you know, oh, that 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 must be hard. Yeah, I think you're right. Now, Sarah, when you were 29, your father, the man who raised you, told you that he wasn't your biological father, that you didn't share DNA. And I remember this line from your film really clearly. You said, "To have one story ripped from you and nothing put in its place is not a good feeling." Can you share with us more details 
of what that not good feeling entailed? Was it loss, anger, sadness, confusion? Sure. Yeah, yeah I think it was. I think it was some of all of that. Okay. I think um, from the very outset, I think one of the things that I always knew is that anything could happen in the future. I never dreamed that anything could happen in the past. Right. Kind it's of. like a so, time travel, like editing of your past. Absolutely. It was yeah. like a, it was a full turning upside down of what I thought I knew and yeah. things that I thought were 100% solid were no longer so solid. And because the people who were using sperm donors in the 1970s, and there were a lot more of them than people realized, but all the doctors were telling them never to tell anyone. Right. Never to tell the offspring and certainly never to tell their relatives. So my mother didn't tell her sisters with whom she was very close. Not like she told almost nobody. Was that a sense of shame or like a legal imposition? Or? I think it was a combination of things. The main thing was that the doctors told them not to. And we do what doctors say. And we do what doctors say. Yeah. And so uh, for me, it was like one of those moments, I, the stereotype of like your knees go out and you have to sit down. Right. That's what happened when my dad told me. And I even had this out-of-body moment where I thought, like, oh, I'm doing that thing that they do in <laughs> movies where I have to go and sit down because I'm going to, you know, fall over otherwise. Yeah. And then it just became, wait a minute, my dad has told me that he's not biologically related to me, but the system is saying that I don't have access to that information. And so it was like, I'm going to tell you the story that I'm not your dad, but or not your biological right. father, but you have no way of knowing who, who is. is. Yeah. Who is. You can't fill in that blank. Right. And for me, that did bring up some anger because I really felt and still feel that my genetic information is mine. Right. And that that's information that I that every human being has a right to have. Even when it's attached to another person. Even when it's attached to another person. Fascinating. As I've gone out and talked to people, there are a lot of people in my position and yeah. especially people who are taking DNA tests now and getting big surprises. <laughs> right. and that, it's, it's like everything's a Mari Povich moment. Right? I mean, it's really it's really happening a lot. And I'm on a lot of the Facebook groups for people who are donor conceived. And it's like every day somebody is showing up who's saying, like, I just got my results back. And it turns out I've got 15 half siblings. Uh, and w what do I do, folks? Yeah. How does this all work? So, and, you know, as I've been absorbing not just my own story, but the story of other people, I really have started to feel strongly that it's so important to tell people, tell kids their authentic story as much as possible from yeah. the get-go. And so is, do you think the withholding of that, first of all, in your donor-conceived circles and the parents of the donor-conceived, uh, is there a movement to share that earlier? Is there a trend in that direction? Or is there... Are parents feeling protective I of their it, privacy? I think it right? really depends. And in, in the yeah. gay and lesbian community, it's very open, it's right? right? There's no shame involved here. There's not the, oh, they're, this, and I think, I think we're going through this on a worldwide thing, this mm -hmm. sort of blood idea of blood and yeah. family yeah. and mine and my tribe and how that's being blown apart by stuff like this. So the truth is, you know, family is family. You, you. You can make family. You, family is love. That's yeah. the bond we have. And blood is a whole other story. It's interesting. It's great. But it is a, it's a whole thing. And I think the LGBT community can absolutely relate to that because very often we've had to make our own families anyway. We've, we were shunned from our families. Right. So we, we have that and we're fine with that. And I think it's, it, hopefully it will, it will reach out to other families who are having you know, fertilization troubles or, or whatever that might be that it's okay. Yeah. That, that, that there's, there's no shame in this. We're creating life and loving life. Now, is there any additional mystery 
from a practical perspective where you're just trying to explain like your second two kids, they have certain behaviors and you can't blame it on Crosby. <laughs> right, exactly. Oh, that's funny. You have no idea. Thank you. Yeah. Feel free to use that yeah, one at home. Right. Um, you know, I, I having four children that I know of is <laughs> is is the um it really taught me that human beings come into this world with their own thing. Mm. You know, I I I that my two sets are per, they're fully biologically related to each other and they couldn't the four of them are so different right and you know you you uh you just you you be a parent to that child you know in the moment and and it, they're each of them are, are going to be very different thank you a beautiful moment there sarah there's a pursuit in your film mm-hmm. there's a hunt okay. uh <laughs> right the, the hunt for is this my sister when when you find this woman jennifer who looks a bit like you has a build similar to yours right. like you're <laughs> You are using your observational powers to kind of hope for a genetic connection mm-hmm. with this other person. And with so many new tools for genetic discovery, databases, social media, Google, how has the search for family changed since the film? Because this film, I assume you made this over an, a period of time, and now we're in this moment in time. Right. But what is what are people... Is there a protocol now? Is there a playlist? Is there a playbook? I think it's I think it's in motion yeah. right now. I think people are really developing it. Um, one of the things that I get asked a lot as I take out the film and screen it is like, what kind of letter did you write to your bio dad to yeah. say like, hello, yeah. it's me? Um, how do you how do you construct something like that? Um, and one of the things that I frequently find myself saying is that. Number one, you have to like front load it with all your best characteristics. You have to do your best. Yes. I have a My job. My GPA was. I own a really cute dog, and um, you have to make yourself seem really likable. And also, like um, you're not looking for something. And that, else. and and also, it's a very like kind of hands off. Yeah. Like I would like contact if you would like contact, and we can do that in whatever way feels mutually. Yeah. Um, like that will work. Um, that being said, though, I, I think. I would love to take this moment to say if there are any sperm donors out there or egg donors who are, uh, you know, approached by your offspring, um, warmth and compassion goes a long way. Um, and I think yeah. it can be it can be really hard for offspring when they reach out and they get a, a wall. Yeah. Um, and and I, I have a friend who reached out and she just got a letter from the lawyer. Right. Oh, so you wow. can imagine what that what might might feel like. Yeah. And. And that's sort of the both and of genetic genetic uh, relationship and family relationship mm-hmm. is we can bring compa- we can bring our warmth yeah. and our compassion to all of those kinds of relationships to the degree that we can yeah. I think yeah um, and that would be my encouragement for all the parties in you know for the parents for mm-hmm. the offspring for the the bio parents yeah there's a level of you want people to assume the best and to to resist the least. <laughs> And and to be as compassionate as possible. You know, I, I had a, it wasn't quite a genetic story, but I was reconnected with family that I had long been separated from through no choice of my own. And it was because of a message on social media, someone popped up saying they were my cousin. <laughs> and I was like, really? Let's see. And then she had the receipts, right? There were photographs. And I was like, oh my goodness. And I, it took me a while to process it. And so I sat on it, you know, for months. Because you're just living your life. You're like liking your friend's baby pictures. And you're playing some stupid game and you're yelling at the news on your computer screen. And then up pops a message saying, you have a family you didn't know about. 
that doesn't fit into the everyday flow of life. And so I just needed some time to sit with it. And I didn't mean any disrespect, but I needed to create that space so that I could respond with compassion and not defensiveness. And we are able to get to a point where we have an open channel now, and it's much more interesting and kind of lovely, but it's awkward on both sides. Yeah, and I I had a great friend who said to me as I was sort of embarking on this journey and and had made contact with some bio relatives, she said, you know, you get to decide. Mm. There's no prescribed way that this has to look, and and you get to decide in concert with the other people. How is this going to go? And you're right. Some some people need more time than others, and you have. I think you have to be respectful of that, especially if you want the relationship to eventually develop. Right. right. Do you find yourself and those in this community who have some gaps in their knowledge of the family tree, just sizing up everybody, trying to get spit from everybody? (laughs) No, it's interesting. Yeah. I I mean, I have seen like films where people, there's one donor conceived documentary um, where the the girl's like looking around going like, is that my bio dad? Is that my bio dad? I had it limited to all the, um, the medical students at the University of North Carolina okay, for, so from like population. a little window. So yeah. I had, I literally printed out all their class, the yearbook photos. And I actually, the very first thing I did after I found out that I was donor conceived is I had a party and I put them all up on the wall. I blew up all the pictures. Please and tell I had me my, you had red yarn connecting them. Well, like I had my, <laughs> well, I had my friends come over and guess who it was. What? I put up a picture of me, a picture of myself say, yeah. as a baby. And I had them, you know, nominate who was the bio dad. Yeah. Was anyone right? No one was right. Oh, so no one was right. Get new friends. All right. But you can <laughs> yeah. find some new friends with your DNA relative search now. <laughs> when I think about my other experience in this topic of, of family definitions, it only occurred to me in thinking about talking to the two of you that I share a different part of this story in that the woman who is my sister is technically my half sister, but I never called her that. Growing up, you know, I knew we had different dads that wasn't withheld from us, but she was my sister. She's always has been and always will be my sister. But scientifically, we share like 25, 27 percent DNA. And so that that language and, and how we define based on blood, as you talked about, Melissa, versus love is a spectrum. And in, in the film, Sarah, you confronted in, in a way your own father, the, one, the man who raised you, and asked him to take a paternity test to just rule out for the final measure, maybe you're my bio dad? And how, how did he respond to that? And, and how did, you know, you, you seemed torn about it in the film. I assume you really were. And tell us more about what it's like to approach someone who is family based on love and experience, but you're also doing the scientific inquiry to, to technically define family, and you kind of need them to go through a process. Well, I say in the film, and it's still the word that comes to mind, it just feels really rude. (laughs) I mean, like, what a thing to ask your parent to take a test, you know, that I I, I felt, I mean, and rude, probably if I dug underneath that, there would be other words, Mm -hmm. you know, like um, fear, and you know, there would be other things there. Um, And and for his part, I think he was incredibly generous to agree to do it. And I find myself reflecting on that as a real moment of parenting. Yeah. You know, where he was really willing to go with me on that journey, even if it wasn't a journey that he would necessarily have, you know, chosen. Yeah. But because he felt like I needed it, he was willing to go there. Which and is a fact, very fatherly thing to which do. Which is a very fatherly thing to do, yeah. right? And and I think um 
what's very interesting to me about this whole process is that we are closer now than we were before we we started. That's great to hear. Yeah. Because that, I think people listening wouldn't assume that. You know, here you are looking for your bio dad, and how does that make your actual dad you know feel like? And does it cause a rift or something? So the fact that this wasn't a split. It was actually well, that's what happens when you yeah. show up open-hearted and yeah. honest and yeah. meet someone else who's being open-hearted and honest, right? You, yeah. you come closer together. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I feel like we're going to get so many good songs out of this. Oh, I'm just, I'm right. <laughs> no pressure, right Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> We've already touched on one of the, the main themes. I think it's actually not a segment of the interview. It underlies the whole premise of this gathering, which is, you know, the definition of family. Yeah and the definition of a relative. Now, now Melissa, you've created this family, mm-hmm. which in so many ways is a modern model of family, mm-hmm. right? You're raising two sets of children. You are in your second marriage, mm-hmm. right? Third. Your third marriage, you know, okay. <laughs> the first, it's hard to say because they didn't allow us to get married. Until See, it's actually, that's it's actually right. my first marriage. So, my so, third long-term relationship, the first two had children, so I, it's very complicated. Right? So, so you're <laughs> in this, you've created... This family yeah. that is very different from the way we had been defining it. Yeah, but I have the same problems that you yes, have. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So let's talk about your family problems. <laughs> Too much internet. <laughs> you know, oh my God, where's the Wi-Fi? So, so what, when you are processing this idea of the genetic relationships and the genealogy mm-hmm. and the love and the choices and the experiences, how do you define family? You know what? Again, it comes down to story. I find that you give your children the story to which to frame their life. Mm. And if you give them a story that's loving, that, yeah, there's, I'm obviously not a guy, so I don't have that you know, ingredient to create you, but there was one, and that's, and that's fine. And now we're getting on with life. Now, this is my life. This is what I did. This is my story. This is my father's story. This is, and this is your, you know, other mother's story. And this, and these are the stories that surround you. And these are, these, this is how you got here. This is what I hope you do in life. You keep putting them down. And the, the, the funniest thing is, if you were to look at all four of my children, you would swear I'm, I'm blood related to them. Because when you raise a baby and you sit that baby in your lap day after day, year after year, and you smile at them, and what they, they learn to smile, your smile. They learn to see. And I tell people that all the time. I said, my children have my smile. Right. They have my laugh. I am in them, even though it's not of the blood. It is because of that, that closeness, yeah, those that stories that yeah. they, we have the same sort of sense of humor. So there's no, I, I, I rarely ever think about oh i'm not blood related to them at all that mm-hmm. that's not they are so my children they i mean <laughs> they're way my children yeah yeah there's this incredible book that i just read by carl zimmer who's a science writer okay uh she has her mother's laugh which is a beautiful title mm-hmm. um and it is a thick tome but one of the things that he says is that we have to expand our notion of what heredity is mm-hmm. and that yes it includes genes and it includes culture it includes technology. It includes the microbiome. 
And then I would add it includes the intergenerational stories of trauma and resilience that yeah. we carry from yeah. our from our families and from our culture. And I think that that to me is really when we talk about inheritance, that's sort of where I'm finding myself thinking more and more these days. Do you, Sarah, think that it is appropriate or even um, essential to invite your DNA cousins to the family reunion? <laughs> there are too many of them. <laughs> right? It would cost too much money. <laughs> a thousand-person party. All, all that barbecue. Like, do I have to write holiday cards to all these people, too? <laughs> no. I think, I, you know, and actually I, I, have a, I have a good friend who is a donor-conceived person who has, you know, I think I already mentioned him. He has 20 half-siblings. They, it, it started out, there, were, there was one. And he had him over for brunch, and then there was two, and they went out, you know, and then there was three. Yeah. Now there's 20. Oh, my gosh. And I can tell that it's, like, it's starting to feel a li- Now it's kind of like throw up a pa- Facebook page. Everybody can just say hi to each other. Yeah. You know, how are you supposed to relate yeah. to all of these folks who mm-hmm. all of a sudden have that half-sibling relationship yeah. that you were just talking yeah. about? But in your case, it means something totally different. Um, than when you find out that there are twenty of them. You know, this is this is interesting. When when we use the sperm donor to to get, you know, and it's all anonymous, and they don't they don't know whoever. They had only, I think, I think, I I really have lost, I don't remember, but they they have like four half siblings that we don't know anything about. Mm. Yet, they gave me the opportunity then to buy the rest of him out. So what? I was financially able to do that, so that they wouldn't have twenty. 30 half siblings, yeah. you know, so I actually bought the whole thing. And so he's, he's bought it. He's off the market now. And he, so there's no more half siblings. Isn't that interesting? That they actually give you that option. And, and, and you wanted to, I did. Yeah, I did. Just, that's, that's interesting. Just, yeah. To me, it was a protection. See, we take this mm. fearful sort of, sort of stance of they're going to want something from it. You know, mm-hmm. And it's a weird American sort of, you know, the other but person wants something. But you could be right, something. too, I, I right? Could, I mean, it's I, yeah. the, there, is a, there is a kind of boundary dance that has to yeah. be in place, too. I mean, that's the, that's the complex part of that is all these relationships fascinating. Yeah. Because we're taking physicality mm-hmm. and love and science and business and yeah. law, right? Yeah. <laughs> and we're putting it all Oof. to a blender. And religion, even. And let's religion, put, put that's that right. And spirituality. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in that mix is family. Mm-hmm. And so you were able to make a choice that defined a boundary yeah. around your future family. Yeah. Right. You're not going to have any surprises popping up in a database <laughs> or your kids won't. Yeah. You know, 20 years from now, oh, hey, I'm your cousin. Yeah. 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 No, you're not. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> My mama bought it. Out. <laughs> right? I have the receipts. Exactly. I have your paper. <laughs> Yo, how do you both think about the balancing and the ethics associated with? whose choices or whose desires have some sort of priority or how they interact with each other. This is so, it's revolutionary what's happening because this pushes all the boundaries all at once. And it comes down to individual rights. And what are each human being's individual rights? And it redefines those. And we will be forced to in this. And that's a good thing because it, it, it goes beyond nationality it goes beyond you know the the, the tribalism that i was talking about mm-hmm. you know it, it it now moves us into every human being on this earth has certain inalienable rights you know certain rights and how are we going to define that when it comes 
to everything else. And, and when does that start? Does that start at, in the egg? I mean, it's the age-old thing. Yeah. And we are forced to come to these uh, conclusions and, and figure that out. And that's, I think it's amazing. It's fascinating, isn't it? Mm. It is fascinating. I had, I had a friend say to me the other day, you know, there are donor-conceived people who say, I, I absolutely have the right to know my biological heritage. And right. I think I would probably count myself. I mean, I would definitely count myself as one of those people. And he said to me, well, you know, it's not like everybody else conceived the old-fashioned way gets to have much of a say in how they're conceived. <laughs> right? I mean, exactly. you know, so and I, that sort of blew my thinking open to start mm. to think about, okay, well, how, how do each one of us come into this world? And <laughs> what right to information do we really have about whether it was in the doctor's office or behind the bleachers or, yeah. you know, where, wherever, yeah. right? I mean, but... Like, we'll have GPS records in the future. Right? <laughs> yeah. We'll literally know where we're conceived. Oh, no. <laughs> Apparently your a, cell phones were in the same... Is that a story that the child uh, is entitled uh, to? Right. And yet I wanted it. I wanted it so yeah. badly. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm so happy that I have the information mm-hmm. that I have. It, it changed. It really changed my uh, sense of self. So I, I have to acknowledge it for me that that's true. Yeah. I I find that uh, I don't have answers either. I'm here mostly to ask, but I think there are different models of rights and ownership around this sort of genetic material. And so in some cultures, I can imagine a much more communal stance, where it was like, that's actually not your decision to make. We all make it together mm. as a tribe or as a family or as a village or as a, a city in some you know massive cases. And in some societies, like children have no rights at all, right? Yeah. Like your parents don't want you to know, you don't know. Yeah. A good college friend of mine, you know, still wasn't able to find out information about his mother because his mother's relatives were like, you're, I know you think you're a grown 40 year old, but you're still the child. And we just don't, it's not our business to tell. So we're not going to tell you. Wow. Uh, and so it's a different line in that community, in that block, in that area of Brooklyn in this case. So I, I'm as, as well fascinated by it. I don't think there's a clean well, line the, through you're this. Remi- but... You're reminding me. I'm sorry to yeah, interrupt. Yeah, please. But you're reminding me of a um, woman who just came up to me the other day. I was at a genealogical conference. There are all these genealogy conferences all over Gene-Con. America. They're amazing. <laughs> yeah. And a woman came up to me and said, my brother donated sperm. I have all of these offspring, but they're contacting me. And my brother doesn't want me to be in contact with them. So here she is, the aunt. Yeah, he's the you know he's the mm-hmm. biological father. But like, how does all of that parse? Yeah, right. Like yeah. that's fascinating. And she was quite anguished because she felt like she wanted to. And then you hear about the grandparents who don't know that their uh, sons sons or daughters have donated, <laughs> right. and then they feel this loss that they've been left out of this grandchildren knowledge. You know, yeah. I mean, it's just it's just. Whew. Wow. It's pushing the bounds of everything. It's like you said, Melissa. Yeah. We're all going to get awkward Facebook messages. Is what yes. I mean. It's just going to happen. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. It's, it's sort of normalizing that these questions are coming up and that this is part of our lives. Yeah. Is it gonna, and is it going to stop donations? I mean, are people going to go, I don't want this to, I, know? I doubt it will stop it because yeah. I think there is, there's a need. Yeah. Absolutely. And there's a, possibility <laughs> right and there's money so yeah. there's a need oh, yeah. there's an ability and there's money that's yeah, gonna happen done. Yeah. <laughs> right? all right no worries um but it, it should shade the rules and the norms mm-hmm. you know what is acceptable how do we engage 
what amount of genetic stuff do we share? Yeah. As you think about your own families, in the case of in your own life or how you're raising your children, both of you, the genetic information they've inherited and the health concerns that go along with both of those, how does that layer come into the family definition and rights to know and, and what you think should be passed along? Well, I know that the, the company that we went through for the donation was really thorough, and, and he had to fill out major stuff and show major stuff and show health, right. show give lots and lots of information. It, it, it was comforting to know, okay, all this information is here mm-hmm. if I need this. And it was, you know, it was there. So uh, you, we were able to feel comfortable that if anything in the future comes up, you know, we will have uh, access to the information. Right. And what are you seeing, Sarah? What are you thinking? In my case, my donor was, I don't think, was hardly vetted at all. Yeah. He was he was handpicked by the doctor in charge. And <laughs> the he doctor was, was like, you look like. Uh, he, he was like, uh, you know, you kind of look like the wow. family father. And I, I was lucky that he was incredibly handsome. I have a picture of him <laughs> as, a, as a young man. And he was very handsome. I think he was quite dashing in his own way. And that attracted the, the eye of the doctor right. in charge. Um, and to my understanding, that was all the vetting that was that was done. So, like for any You're average not ugly. job, right? <laughs> what you say? Well, like for so many jobs, yeah. yeah. Right? Well, and that's the history of sperm donation yeah. is that what it was. Um, the I think the earliest was in the late 1800s, and it was the most handsome right. one of the medical students was sort of nominated. They knocked the woman out. They never told her. Oh, then there's that. They, the, the doctor in charge did it without oh. the permission of the couple. Oh, no. Big, I, right? Yeah. So I, it's interesting when you okay. think about history yeah. and how these things come from horrible places. Yeah. Okay, all right. If you yeah. go back far enough, everything's terrible. Yeah. It's, <laughs> right. it's hard, but, yeah, but I, I think the vetting, the, okay. the vetting is important, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's important to have the information, and, and the DNA testing is hopefully helping that more and more. Yeah, yeah. When I realized I was going to have children that I wasn't biologically related to, it was very simple just to say, well, that doesn't matter. And and when you cross that line and you realize, oh, I've just expanded my idea of what family is, and that changes me and that changes everyone around me. And I would just like to put out there, if there's anyone out there who is thinking of having children, who, who can't have children, who, who are, are at this uh, this threshold, of okay, I need to move forward into adoption or or surrogacy or or, or whatever or donation, whatever it is, to don't give a moment to being to thinking. Oh, well, they're they're not biologically related to me. It has nothing to do with being a parent. It really doesn't. And I I would really want to uh, say that that my life is is just as full as can be has been for the last twenty one years, and uh, never once have I ever ever regretted it. If these mics weren't so vigorously attached to the arms, I would say you should drop it. <laughs> it's physically impossible to drop it the is. mic. You cannot drop this mic. You <laughs> like you have to rip it out yes. of the table and, and jump up and down, um, and that would take too much time. Right. Right. <laughs> so, what do you all think of uh, the now possible extended family reunion? Now that we have more genetic family members than we ever knew about. Well, well, I, actually, I come from a place. My own personal experience is, you know, my my father had seven brothers and sisters, you know, my mother had a couple. And so I had a a deep sense of family through them. And I knew my immediate, you know, their, their brothers, the cousins, that sort of, that, that was right there. Once I got famous, (laughs) oh boy, 
it's amazing how much family I have. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I, I've already gone through this sort of sense of, okay, where do I end with, if there's family that I've never met, that, that, yeah, maybe they're the second, maybe they're related to the second cousin on the side of the, you know, very possibly that could be very possible. But I don't feel connected. Right. I don't, I mean, and they are blood to me, yet I, I don't feel like, like I have to go connect with them. Right. So I can imagine that even if you do find out you're blood related to, to strangers, I don't think there is a, an obligation, you know, yeah. in, in oneself to do that. So I, I definitely cut it off. My father came from St. Louis, and I, I remember I had a, a meet and greet, you know, before the show. There was like 60 people that were in my I was like, okay, this is, this is a little difficult. <laughs> let's let's, yeah, let's this change scale. this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll add on to that, that it's, what it sounds like is that family is becoming even more of a choice. Yeah. And there's nothing, right. there's a, that's a beautiful, if we understand, I mean, as corny as it sounds, that there's this energy, there's this love that creates connection, yeah. family. I mean, we can go biologically, we can scientifically go that every time you touch someone, that DNA is actually, uh, those, the atoms are with you forever. And those atoms that vibrate, even if you're 100 miles away, they still vibrate on that person. So I'm related to about 3 billion people, okay, because <laughs> so, I've, you know, shook, shaken hands with a lot of people. So family, what yeah. is family? Yeah. It's, it's our story. It's your definition. That's that's awesome, and, it, and it, it, we are technically ninety nine point five percent. You know, every human and shares that amount of DNA with every other human. So the the, the parts of difference that we're focusing on are zero point five percent, and no. that's where choice comes in. And into you play. can say that yeah. to any situation in the world right now. Yeah. Seriously, yeah. we are we got to start seeing how much we are are related, yeah. that we are together. And you're, I'm just being reminded that we did the um, that you shared your 23andMe genome with me That's earlier right. today. What were the results? What, you didn't see? No. Okay. So the my main takeaway is that I have more Neanderthal. <laughs> I'll use the German <laughs> Neanderthal. Neanderthal. It sounds more refined than you. <laughs> yes, of course. I have more Neanderthal than you. Yes. Um, but that was interesting to, and I paused and I just thought, oh my gosh, that's so interesting. There were these like. Neanderthals that were in Northern Europe. And yeah. the, I mean, I all of a sudden got Wow, they go back to, that far on the thing? Yeah, and you can look. There's 60, a lot of thousand years. There's a lot of interesting stuff yeah. about those genes and what they mean. Well, then you have to go back into that. history. And this is going to change history when you start realizing yes. the, that. I mean, I'm getting all geeky because I get all, you know, uh, alternative archaeology and stuff. But <laughs> the, the, um, the, the Neanderthal and the, the Homo sapien yeah. and how that divided off and how did that happen oh yeah because we slaughtered them yeah yeah oh it's sort of our history yes. it's the way we do things but like this planet is too small to for the both of us we're all that we we really are all interconnected related. i would like to thank my guests melissa etheridge you Woo. can find her currently on tour she is doing the yes i am 25th anniversary tour and in 2019, she's got a cruise. Come on, join us. Seven days of music. You might Fun. be related. And talk. That's right. Yes. Find out. I should Bring have it. everyone do that. We'll see how much we're related. That'd be fun. Everybody spit yeah. and then get on the boat. Oh, come on. You might be on a boat with your family. You never know. And I'd like to thank Sarah Lamb, uh, who has offered us uh, and offered you a very special extended clip of her film, Thank You For Coming. You can find that at thankyouforcomingmovie.com slash spit. 
Want to dig in more on today's topics and guests? Check our show notes. And if you enjoyed the episode, share it with a friend, all your friends, and be sure to leave a review. If you want to hear more surprising stories about how we're all related, search and follow Spit on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Spit is an iHeartRadio podcast with 23andMe. I'm Baratunde Thurston. You can find out more about me at baratunde.com or sign up for my text messages. Just hit me up at 202-902-7949. Put hashtag spitpodcast in your message. I know where you came from.